Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Heavenly Places, the, the podcast blog talk. I'm your host, uh, Jameer, along here with uh, Dorothy. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in this Thursday evening, afternoon, or maybe you're watching it later on through one of the, the media outlets that we have, such as YouTube or BitChute, Vimeo. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of other ones that I always forget. <laughs> um, but uh, let me open up, open us up in prayer this evening. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Father, we thank you for forgiving us of our iniquity, sins, and transgressions, Father. Draw us towards you, Father. Draw us towards your love. Draw us towards your word and promises. You, Father, Lord, with our whole heart each and every day, each and every second, Father. And trust in you, Father, Lord, no matter what's going on, Father, Lord, in our life, in our bodies, in our world, in our communities, Father. Let us know that you are in control. Help us to realize it, Father. And follow your Holy Spirit during these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, this evening, I actually want to talk about um, something that I was studying a couple of months ago. Um, and it's uh, actually from the, uh, the, the, the premises of it is from Ecclesiastic, the verse, Ecclesiastic chapter 1, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. This right here is a very, very, very um, familiar scripture that everyone has really heard. I'm pretty sure everyone has heard. It says, uh, the thing that has been done is that which shall be done, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun and that um of course was written by uh solomon they said he was one of the or he was the wisest man that ever existed um i also want to read it in the niv version i really really like the king james some people like the niv there's so many different actually i like to read the different ones you know like the hebrew and greek ones but niv says uh Sometimes people want this one to help them understand it a little bit better, but it says, what has been done, I mean, excuse me, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again, and there is nothing new under the sun. Um, And that's basically saying that uh, there's nothing new, and we we actually know that we can see, uh, like, it in styles of clothing, clothing like uh, maybe uh, different. Like I remember something that was out in the nineties, and then I heard it was out in the sixties before. And then there are things that are coming out now. It was actually done in the eighties, so different clothing styles and different colors. It was fashions and all these types of things. And of course, when you born in that generation or during that time, like. You think that that's the new thing. That's the new thing. But 
and tell some one of your one of your uh, people who have been around you for a long time tell you, oh, that that's nothing new. <laughs> they did that before, and just they just got tired of doing it, and now it's coming back again. And even like um, recently, maybe this was about ten years ago, they had the uh, those Polaroid cameras. You know, where you take the picture and print it off right there. That that was a pretty old thing, but then they kind of brought those back, and people was taking old. And I have little nieces and nephews. Like it was the, the latest, greatest thing. You know, they go print it off and have a picture just like that. To them, that was something new, but actually that was not anything new. It had already been around before. That's what I want to talk about here with the Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. And I want to actually not talk about really clothing and things like that, but I actually want to talk about um, these viruses and plagues that are going on. I want to actually I want to relate the Ecclesiastes 1, 9 to particularly uh, uh, revivals, um, throughout the past, wars throughout the past, and just uh, just other connecting events in history. And actually, there were several different types of plagues in there, but I chose, uh, I believe I got four different ones here, four or five different ones here that I wanted to talk about. Um, and the first one is the uh, Black Plague the Black Plague. Um, this plague, particular plague, actually happened in the uh, century. It was uh, also referred to as the Black Death. You may have seen, like, the video about the History Channel or something. But if you, if you Google it or go to YouTube, you'll find a video about that if you have not ever heard about it. But this uh, bubonic plague, this Black Death, it killed um, 50 million people from the uh, the year 1347 to 1353. So this plague was going around for about six years. Um, and 50 million people, that's a lot of people. Uh, that's probably about at that time, maybe close to 20% or maybe a little bit over that, 20% of the world population. But one thing that I, as I was studying researching this, one thing I found interesting was um that the Black Death actually, guess where where it originated at? <laughs> it originated in China. Yep, it originated in China, and it spread through the rest of the world through uh, the Silk Road. If you don't know what the Silk Road is, basically it was, it's an ancient trade route where they would exchange, like, spices and gold and silver, clothing, all these types of things they would exchange on this route. And this route went all the way from China and it went through the rest of the world, like Asia, minor Asia, all the way up through Russia and all these places. And it actually eventually it ends up in Europe, um, do all these exchanges down this, down this road. Um, so I believe, or that's what they say, that one of the ways that, uh, that the uh, Black Death actually came from China and spread through the rest of, rest of the world. So just like as they were trading things, and going, I guess people were contaminated, and it kind of made its way all the way up to Europe, which was quite some distance. Um, and this was all during the 13th century. But uh, also, besides a plague, that was something else that came to Europe from China during the 13th century. Guess what else came from Europe during the China in the 13th century? Um, Gunpowder. Gunpowder. Yes, gunpowder. 
was actually it was uh invented it was invented in uh China in the ninth century. In the ninth century they invented it and they was kinda of working with it. Um it didn't make its way to Europe till the thirteenth century. Um and to me the black plague killed fifty million people but this uh gunpowder we know like what gunpowder can do, it can kill way more people than this, this plague. It actually, it has because of like the different things and weapons. And so during this time, this 13th century, um, we see that though there wasn't really any major, major wars going on, but we see during the 13th century, uh, the foundation for all the wars and the future will actually be developed as in Europe they begin to develop different types of guns and also cannons for like the battlefield and also they were uh, beginning to equip naval vessels for cannons so they can also have battles on the sea so not only do we have during the 13th century the Black Plague which is very deadly a lot of people lost their lives but also we have the this development of, uh, and I consider that one of the foundations, the 13th century foundation for all how, how wars will be waged or fought in the future. So we got those two things, um, the plague that we have what's going on around in the world as far as wars. But then we also have uh, something of spiritual that was going on uh, also during that time of the uh 13th century uh, it was actually a monk and this was during the time when the Catholic Church was, was um, doing the Catholic Church types types of things where you uh, where the Bible was only in a certain language and only priests to read the Bible and they had it kept it in language not the common language that everyone could understand because if everyone can read it and understand for themselves, then they will maybe have a different understanding, possibly they will, than what they were being told at church. Um, many traditions of men that they were being taught at church. But a monk named uh, John Wycliffe, if he, uh, his, John Wycliffe, um, his last name is called W-Y-C-L-I-F-F, or Wycliffe, he is uh, considered by many historians to be a, a predecessor to the Great Reformation Movement. Um, but the Great Reformation Movement is very uh, important too. But John Wycliffe, along with his team, during the same time, during the 13th century, guess what they began to do? They began uh, to be one of the groups to actually translate the Bible into English. Um, they translate the Bible into English. And I, you know what? I believe one thing about this, this plague that was going on I believe that this is something um, that things happen naturally all the time, and I believe it's natural, but I believe also things are going on in the supernatural that's happening and inspiring them. And I believe Satan, he he might not know, but I believe he sensed something powerful was happening in the supernatural spiritual realm. And he that plague killed a lot of people in Europe, and I believe he was trying to stop this man and his team on translating the Bible into English. Um, but, of course, though many people died, which is very sad, you know, but this Bible thing, God's plan did not get stopped. And this Bible was produced, wrote in English. And what is key or important about that is that today we see that 
English is, I believe, uh, the most spoken language. Actually, it is spoken language. China, uh, Mandarin is pretty close to the, people, the language of the Chinese. But over one billion people in the world speak and read English uh, this day. One billion people speak and read English. And so this man, this monk, he translated this back in the 13th century. And he said, okay, well, what about all the other languages? But now we use English as like kind of like a foundation or a tool to translate it into many of the other languages. So it's just not that, oh, okay, it makes it good because it was in English. No, that's that's not really the case, but it made it good so it can be freely translated into also the other languages also, so into Spanish and uh Hindi versus the English, I mean, uh, Indian language, and many of the other different languages. So it was a possible, it was it was making a way possible for the gospel to be preached, like Jesus said, to the othermost parts of the earth. So that was the first plague, the Black Plague. The next plague I want to actually talk about is the, uh, what we call the, what is called the American Plague or the Plague of America. Um, and this was actually in the 6th century, 16th century, so about three centuries later from the other plague, about 300 years. But um, if you uh, study history or heard anything about history, you know that before the 16th century, actually the 5th through the 15th century, they often call that or it's often referred to as the Dark Ages. Have you ever heard that of the Middle Ages, you know? Um, but the 16th century also was pretty pretty dark. But the fifth to the 15th century is kind of considered dark, and we can go into that one a little bit later on. But uh, the 16th century was uh, really deadly to the Americas. Um, we have a lot of like the uh, the Incans and and the uh, the indigenous American people. Who, who were here originally before the settlers and pilgrims. And, again, when the, when I say this part, a lot people get confused and they like to put everyone in the same group. When the settlers came over here, there were different groups. People were motivated by different things. Some people were motivated by the freedom of religion. That's why they came over here. Some people just were motivated by adventure. and Some people were motivated the cause of war. And that's what most of them who came over here to cause war. And there was a lot of people over here who was promoting peace and they wanted to be peaceful with the people who were already here. But a lot of people, they just wanted the fame and fortune. And when they came over here, the historians say that they killed over 56 million of them, 56 million Americans, the ones who was already here. And that was basically like 90% of their um, population. And a lot of them got killed through various wars and wars that they were involved in with the guns and things like that, but also diseases. A lot of the diseases that the uh, Europeans brought over um, and actually because their body had not built up immunity to things like the Black Plague and things like that, uh, the flu, smallpox, all that, it it also assisted in uh, wiping out over 90% of the population, which is uh, 56 million, <laughs> 50, or was that the number of 50, 50 something million people over there. But um, 
Also, again, if we look again, we're looking at the pattern of Ecclesiastes chapter one verse nine because during these generations or during these centuries, we find things repeating themselves, and we see again, once again, things are repeating because uh, over in Europe, this guy, I'm pretty sure you guys know uh, Martin Luther. He was also a monk, and He's seen a whole lot of things that were going that were not right in the Catholic Church. And I know some of you guys may be members of the Catholic Church, and I'm not trying to beat you guys down or, or point you out, but these were things that were actually going on in the church. And there's a lot of people that I know today that go, that are members of the Catholic Church, and they are they are sold out believers, and they believe in, in God. But the thing is, is I'm not talking about you guys and your relationship with God, but how it was back then, it was set up to where, and actually it's kind of set up still that way today, but it's not taught widely depending on which one you go to, but actually the Pope is the final authority. And and Martin Luther, he was actually a Catholic, and he wrote these 95 different points, and then he put it on a paper because he was trying to say that all these things that you're that you're telling the people they're not right, they're not true. Like one of the things they were saying is that if you have people who um, who are died already and you don't think they in heaven, guess what? You get some money and you can pay them, pay their way out of hell. <laughs> you know, so they were teaching things like that and all these other things that could be a whole teaching by itself. But it's, the unfortunate thing is that we have many churches today and tell us if you're familiar with televangelists, not all of them, but there are a lot of them that are saying, hey, you pay this money, God's going to bless you. And I'm not saying that he does not bless you, but a lot of times their motive, their motive is not right at all. They just want the money. They don't care about God blessing whoever's giving it, you know. They're just, they're just very greedy, and they're no different than the Catholic Church. A lot of these uh, tele, televangelists are uh, just like it was back back here in the 16th century, Um so this paper that he Martin Luther this month penned on it exposed many co- corruptions within the church, but it also revealed one very powerful truth thing was that uh, that was the Hebrew the scripture Hebrews chapter four verse take sixteen where it says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that was a scripture right there that Hebrews four sixteen that they the Catholic Church wasn't teaching like to say, hey, you don't go to the throne of grace. You go to the Pope or you go to the priest. But Martin Luther was saying, hey, you don't have to go to those people. You can go straight to God for yourself. They don't, we don't need a middleman. We can just pray. We don't have to pray to Mary. We don't have to pray to the saints. Guess what? Why would you want to pray to them when you can go straight to Father God yourself? That's what basically one of the issues was also. Um during that. So those those are some of the things that were going on during this time. We have this right here, Martin Luther right in this this species thing and what this did was open it up for the rest of the church because originally a, a lot of people would start coming out of that. They would start coming out of that, um out of that darkness. And this was uh remember I mentioned the dark ages and then we started coming in, into the light and it's actually was setting a lot of people free and setting seeds in place for a lot of people being free from the uh, traditions traditions of man, traditions of men. So we had the wars that was going on, the plagues, 
But then we also have the spiritual thing about this one man making this change. Um, the next thing we have is uh, in the 18th century, more recently, um, 18th century, uh, we have the phases of plague. Like um, there wasn't really one big plague like the bubonic plague and those the American plagues. It wasn't something that was wiping out a lot of people, but it was like several phases. So you had different different phases of, of plagues, and during that during this century, the 18th century, it says about um, about half only half a million people died from uh, plagues. And also during this time, not only was it phases of plagues, but it was also was phases of wars. So it was, we didn't like really have any big wars going on that was going on there, but it was like different countries kind of going at it with each other, different regions going on. But it was like several phases of wars and only about 1.5 million people they recorded. It could be a little bit more, but 1.5 million people died during that time. <clears throat> but just as there were several phases of plagues, there were also several phases of uh, wars. Also, there were during this same 18th century, there were several phases of revivals. Again, when we look, we're, we're thinking about the patterns. There were several phases of revival, and this first great awakening was actually started in Europe. It, it, it arrived in America in the 1730s and 1740s, and one of the famous um, preachers was uh, John Edwards. And then that there wasn't the only one, but it was several, several phases that were going on during that. And also many of the historians believe that all these revivals and things like that actually set stage for people in America or whatever. Actually, it was like a seed that was kind of planted for the, for the America's uh, Revolutionary War, you know. So when they rebelled against the uh, Britons, you know, because they were the taxes and things like that, he was really just trying to control them. And uh, But anyway, the seeds were planted during that time through this revival for that to come up the next. So that's how everything is being, we see things are being connected. Um, now in the 20th century, we have the Spanish flu. And actually, I've seen an article or story. There was a woman, she actually survived the Spanish flu. Um, and she's still alive. Many people survived, but this woman was one of the people who they were able to interview who was still alive today to see this one that's going on now. But this, uh, this this one was in the 20th century, Spanish flu, and guess what? It killed 50 million people. Um, and remember the bubonic plague, the death plague, it caused, also killed 50, made, killed 50 million people. But that took the bubonic plague six years. This thing only took two years um, to do it. And not only that, but... Um, we have World War One and World War Two. World War One killed fifty million people. Then World War Two, which is like twenty, thirty years later, killed seventy five million people. So that I mean that was like very, very, very deadly. Very deadly century with plagues and wars and all these kind of things. All these people are just losing their lives on to eternity, either one place or the other, there is no in between. But then we again look at the pattern of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. Um, 
at the end of uh, World War II, which is something very, very prophetic. It's the parable of the fig tree in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 says, when the fig tree is full and you will begin to see these things, you know that that, uh, the end is there. Well, the fig tree is a symbol many prophecy people now also believe too that the fig tree is a symbol of the nation of Israel. And in 1948, the United Nations, um, particularly because of America, they wanted Israel to have their nation back. And they was giving their nation back. And for over thousands of years, Israel did not have a nation, you know. They did not have a nation. And it was very, very prophetic because usually when a nation gets to, destroyed and wiped out. I mean, when it's like wiped out off the face of the earth, that nation is just consumed by another nation. It never again returns. But this right here, as far as my knowledge, is the only nation that has been basically wiped out and the return again thousands of years later. You know, very prophetic um, during that time. But also during that time, um, it was a uh, a preacher, and his name is, you may have heard it, well, you should definitely be familiar with the street, the place, the location where it happened was Azusa Street, the Azusa Street Revival. Well, it was started by a man named William J. Seymour. And what was amazing about this man, this is in, in America, in California. But before he was there, of course, you know, during that time was a lot of segregation where only if you're black or whatever, African American, he wasn't able to go to certain places or go drink out of the same water fountain and all those types of things. Things that that, are, that we don't have to deal with today. But during that time, this man was so destined for God that he went to a Christian school where they had the separation. They wouldn't let him in the classroom. So he would either be out in the hallway or he would listen throughout the window. And the teacher, of course, wanted him in the classroom, but it wasn't able to work to be like that. Um, because of the time they were living in, but he let him, this man William J. Seymour, stand outside the window <laughs> and listen to listen to the, the whatever he was preaching or teaching about. And this man, he, um, they said he prayed for hours and hours a day. They said he would put like a literal wooden crate over his head, and he would pray anywhere from five to thirteen hours a day. I'm not saying anyone here got to do that, but Man, more prayer, more power, because he, they said, they had, they, on this Azusa Street, they had many great miracles and and many great services. Um, they said from, from that movement that over um, 500 million people um, came to know the Lord, because of, out of that movement, there was a lot of new denominations that were birthed. A lot of them was like charismatic and Pentecostal. Those, that type of background, um, but they said out of out of that movement, it's like over 500 million people became that. So while we have these deadly wars going on, um, and while we have these deadly plague going on, all during that same time, we have this man praying. So we have that crazy chapter one verse nine. So even during right now, what I want to encourage you guys to do is to pray. Um, so now let's go to this this last one. This last one we have um, over a hundred years later. This is like a hundred years later from that uh, 
from the Spanish flu. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Because remember I told you that lady who was over 100 years old talking about she had lived through the Spanish flu. But um, so now we have this COVID-19 virus here in this new the new millennia, um, 2020. And the virus is basically it's shut down about every nation. I talk to, I, I work with different missions in the Philippines and India and Pakistan and Kenya. And got and talked to all the pastors there. And guess what? Their countries are shut down. They didn't send me pictures with them or themselves wearing masks and they can't go out. So it's just not here in America. But all these different places are locked down and shut down. And we're still kind of in it. They say we're coming out of it. But some of the things, what can we expect? You know, people are talking about, man, this virus is going to start a war with China because everybody's kind of mad at China because they let let it out and they kind of lied and, and let the people go on. So maybe World War Three might come. Um, and maybe a lot of people have died. Fortunately, less than 50 million people have not died, you know. Um, but one thing we got to realize is the Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 pattern is never going to be wrong. It says, remember, it says, uh, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So basically what, what I'm saying is uh, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if we see people die. I'm not trying to be heartless, no. Actually, we should, we should, as if more with those more rejoice with those who rejoice, you know. So we should be praying, we should be praying that people do not die, do not perish. We should also always speak life in every situation and circumstance. But at the same time, we should not be um, unwise either because, you know, the death is going to come. Even Jesus said, when you see these things come, look up. You know, and he says, actually, he says, be, be a good cheer. <laughs> you know, be a good cheer while all this craziness is going on. And even, the wars, you know, I'm not trying to be a warmonger, a war predictor, but we know wars going on. A lot of people in the world, they're praying for world peace. But, you know, what? it's like you, if you're praying for world peace, basically, guess what? You're wasting your breath. As Scripture says, the war is going to be coming. It's going to be a bad, terrible war. It might not be next year. It might be two or three years, but it's coming. The, script, uh, the Word of God says it, and actually a lot of countries, they are already in some type of smaller skirmishes and wars right now. But our job is uh, to prepare um, for a revival. And the, uh, in the last days, uh, Jesus says there's going to be a great harvest, a great revival, because people are going to see all these signs and things come to pass. And then people are going to notice, like, oh, man, Netflix is not where it's at, you know, or some people are still going to be watching Netflix or like these football games and basketball games. They're going to be like, wow, is this, is this all there is to the world? And they're going to be looking around and seeing all the destruction with all of the inventions we got and scientific advancements and technology and diplomacy. It's going to show like one of the cause of man. Man is evil. I mean, of course, Satan is behind a lot of it, but man, too, a lot of men are evil and corrupt. And people are going to be like, man, these are the pe- people who are leading us, and we're following them. We're following these atheists and all these different other religions, and they're going to start be wondering where can they find hope at. So that's why it's important for us during this time to be praying and interceding because Father God, he's going to be placing people in our lives, and they're going to know that you are the light. Actually, it says in uh, Isaiah chapter 60, 
verse 2, it says that a gross, uh, a gross darkness will cover the nations and also a gross darkness will cover the peoples. But a light will arise out of you. And that light is talking about Christ, Holy Spirit, you know, leading you and guiding you and directing you to be a witness because Father God, he wants you to be a part of this great revival, this great harvest. And the main thing we have to do to prepare is read our word, number one, and we be, be wise and separate as harmless as it does. I'm not saying be out on the streets without your mask and gloves and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, um, but I'm saying let's pray and read the Bible and the Holy Spirit. He's going to direct you what you need to do on an individual basis. But you need to get the, the word in you so when people come around, guess what? Uh, Father God might want you to use them to heal somebody. And I'm not just talking about physical healing, though, physical healing. A lot of people need physical healing because they might not be able to make it to the doctor. It may be something as small as the pinky thing or, like, they might be having some muscle arm thing or whatever it may be. But the ultimate healing is like the salvation. We should always try to get that one because they can be walking around with healthy legs and healthy arms and they're not saved then we'll get with healing them, you know. But we should not just not forget about healing because people need healing. They need healing in their body. They need healing in their emotions, their minds. They need deliverance. So all these things you need to be preparing for, you need to be equipping yourself for because you're trying to help all these people to go to the place where you are going. Um, and that is to be, that is to be with our, our Father God in heaven, you know, um, so that's that's all I have for the uh, Ecclesiastes chapter one verse nine. It is patterns. The main thing is you hear if you watch on TV, you want to get nervous, you want to get scared because just the bad news over and over and over again. And they want that. They want that. The enemy wants it because I believe actually he gets energy from it. And those demons get energy and power from it when you start fearing, when you start worrying. And then some people, they get so, so, so worried and they start having heart attacks and even die. The Bible says that people are going to, the hearts are going to fail because of what's coming on the earth. But we are not to be like that as believers and children of God. You know, we should, we should be filling ourselves with the word of God. And I'm not saying that what's around you is not true that it's happening, but the, the word of God is more true than everything that is happening. So, um, Dorothy, if you want to add anything, you have anything you want to say on that one? Or any of them. Well, it is. I I don't think we understand fully that verse. That you know, it's a repeat. Um, everything is a repeat. But you know, there is that old saying that everybody wants to go to heaven, but they don't want to die to get there. You know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this virus. And, you know, I, I read a lot on, you know, stuff, medical stuff and science stuff. And there's, it has a 98% recovery rate. So why are we yeah. focusing on the death rate, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the media, you know. It's That's why I started calling it a fear-demic. And to go into a medical facility and have them tell you that they're doing all this extra nonsense to protect you, it's just, it's silly. Because when 
you're contagious when you don't have any symptoms. So what are they doing when you go in? They're checking for symptoms and fevers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't, we've got to get back to critical thinking. I don't know about you, but my dad always used to say, use the brain God gave you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) think about things. (laughs) And we need to get back to that. Let's, let's, Use the brain God gave us. I mean, it's not sitting there just holding our skull open, you know. We're... But that's my two cents. Is... That is, that and is so a... true. <clears throat> the fear, there is a spirit of fear that can be rebuked and found and cast out and cast down. And uh, I've been doing that a lot because just to see these people so scared. Yeah. I mean, really scared, and it's such an unreasonable fear. You know, if yes, you go yes. and look at the data, you know. Yeah. Just that, that death rate is not. Yeah. It's, and then actually, they're saying that actually more people might actually have it. They just don't have any symptoms. So the death rate actually is. Way way lower because you know everyone everyone is not being tested because they like I don't even have it at all but they actually probably have it but they're they're like it's not affecting them it's not doing anything at all to them you know so probably because their immune system is strong enough to kick it out you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's why I started calling it a fear demic not a pandemic yeah. it's a fear demic. Yeah, I got to go back to the doctor's Monday, and I'm going, ooh. I mean, they've even got signs on the chairs. You can only sit in every other chair. It's like the whole place is empty. You know, it's ridiculous. All these people not getting their medical procedures that they need. I mean, the good yeah. thing is it doesn't smell like a French whorehouse because there's nobody there, you know, with the perfume. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of things that are being, uh, because of this thing, of the fear and things that are being changed in the world and it's bringing a lot of tensions out and things like that, but we should not be being in fear. But if you, if you watch the news... And if, and that's your main source, your only source. Then I, I can see many people just being just overwhelmed, you know. But then you just go outside and get some fresh air if you can, <laughs> you know. You just go outside, you know. But the main thing is you need to get be focused on the word. You know? Well, they're finding now that even sunlight kills this thing, and UV light. Oh. So, I mean, what have we been told down through the years? If you're sick, get fresh air, get sunlight, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things where they said it was, another thing was bad in China because, well, and especially in the city areas because their their cities are so polluted that there are days where the sun doesn't come well, the sun is always out, but they can't get through all the pollution in the air. They can't even tell. I had a 
a colleague I worked for when I was teaching at the university, and he said he lived over there for about three or four years, and he said the pollution was so bad over there that you'd be coughing when you go outside just because of the air, and there would be days that you didn't see the sun, or weeks sometimes, you know, because of just everything they're doing over there. That is so sad. Yeah. It's really sad because actually China, they have the world's, I believe they have the world's largest population as far as countries, but they have a very large uh, Christian population. And if you want to be a really sold-out Christian, a lot of them, people over there, you know, you, they really, they have state churches because it's a communist country, but it's like if you really want to have like a, a spirit field, believe in church, where you really seeking God, then a lot of those people, they're meeting in what they call house churches or underground churches where they hide in from the government, you know, so they won't get caught. Yeah, with this virus, they're, they're over here, they're coming up with some draconian, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish moves, you know. I think it was Cuomo in New York was threatening to call the cops on the on the Jewish people. Oh, uh, I didn't hear. And about yet they're going to provide Ramadan meals for Islamists. Something's wrong here. I never cared for New York. I mean, it's you know, a lot of people I live in, in city. There's so many people, and it's so. I had to drive through there because, you know, my family was up here in, in Rhode Island, and I was living in South Jersey for like 13 years, and it's a oh, wow. five-hour trip. I would not even stop for a restroom break in New York. <laughs> I just got through it as fast as because you could feel it, you know? <laughs> the whole atmosphere is just yucky. That's a spiritual yeah. term, right? Yucky? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, you can you can feel those things, you know, but when you in it, you don't know it, you know, which is sad. Because, but you can feel those things. Like, whereas the enemy, he's really have a powerful stronghold over certain cities and certain areas. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, um, I guess that's all I have for this evening. So I'll, I will close out in a, sorry, I will close out in a prayer. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for, for tuning in and, and Dorothy for having me. And then we'll be on again next week also. Um, and I haven't figured out the topic for, uh, Next week, yeah. I was actually thinking about doing the the, the name of uh, God, names of Father God. Um, we'll see. Um, Father, we uh, we thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We thank you for your salvation. Father, draw draw us closer towards you, Father. 
Draw us towards your goodness. Draw us towards your mercy, Father. Help us not to harden our heart towards you or to your ways, Father. Help our leaders of our country, Father Lord, to turn towards you, our mayors, governors, um, city councilmen, and also help help all of our students, Father Lord, throughout the nation, those who have had proms and graduations and all those types of things canceled, Father. I'm pretty sure they they miss their friends and just help them, Father. Be with them, comfort them. Um, we come against anything suicidal spirits and all these types of things that or spirits of depression during this time, and that you encourage them and give them life, give them hope, and give them peace during this time. We ask these things in, in your Son Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Yes, well, thank you for having me again. Well, thank you for coming and giving (laughs) such a good lesson. So, you know, each generation goes through its own tribulation. And they just, you know, because each generation has to learn and grow. So that's why, you know, that's done that way. So we're nothing special going through this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Well, we are special, but it's nothing new. The only thing that actually makes us special is, is Jesus. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. And <laughs> you know, it's it's more important. It's not what you go through. It's how you deal with it. So yes, we deal yeah. with it. We grow, and hopefully, we'll have the courage that our founding fathers had and stand yes. up for what's right and fight for what's right. Yeah. So that's what I would like to see. Actually, that might be a good topic too to do one day with what they did in that thing. But, um, well, well, thank you. And um, thank everyone else out there for tuning in. Thank you guys too. Yeah, I had any suggestions. Y'all can leave them on the comments too. We didn't have two people leave comments on some of the other ones, so it's very helpful. Yes, it's nice when people leave comments because you know, because it's good to get feedback from people to know if what you're saying is making sense to them. So, because yeah. you, you don't want to have a teaching and have it not make sense to people, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Jameer, you have a blessed evening and weekend. The weekend's around the corner. Yes. And everyone out there, the same. And Father bless everyone. And Excuse me. The allergies are coming up now. Um, So, good night. (laughs) Good night, Jameer. Good night. Good night, everyone.